And oh man, I don't know if it's your practice. Do me a favor, would you give this worship a hand for all the work that they do? What a great experience. Man, if we have not yet met yet, my name is Andy, and I would love to meet you all. So on the count of three, would you all tell me your name? Ready? One, two, three. Nice to meet you guys. Very good. What, what was that? Okay, good. Nice to meet you too. Awesome. Uh, let me help you out. I'm old. Uh, so uh, being cool and uh, and uh, and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to try and play the game. Matter of fact, let me explain this because everybody wants here. I have recently had rotator cuff surgery a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I wish I could tell you it was because I was defending my wife does or was in some kind of athletic endeavor. Uh, but when you're 51, sometimes you wake up and go, oh, that hurts now, and then you have to get it fixed. And so that's what it hurts. Again, my name's Andy. I've just met you. Do me a favor one more time before we get started. Turn to whoever you're sitting next to and say, you know how All right. It is a privilege. Let me tell you, I love your theme for this semester or year. I, I don't know if it's whole year, but the Jesus is theme that, uh, that you have is fantastic. Because if he becomes the focus, I want to take you on a journey where is the focus, not just of, a, of an aspect, but kind of a, of everything. As a matter of fact, I've entitled what I want to share with you, Jesus is the story, the entire story, the arc of, of everything. Uh, and let me illustrate it this way as we started. I'm a Dallas Maverick. Uh, I love the NBA. I uh, love basketball. And uh, and I've loved uh, Dallas Mavericks since. Let's say how long I've loved Dallas Mavericks. Uh, that's time following. Uh, and, when I, and if you don't know anything, they've only got one national championship under their belts. There have been many, I'm talking many disappointing years especially when they would make it through the playoffs. Uh, but, but things have changed. I've, I'm a better Dallas Mavericks fan now than I was in the past because of the Internet and because of EVRs. So let me tell you how this works. I only watch games that we win. And if some of you out there don't think that's a good fan. I'm not a fair-weather fan. I, I really mourn when they don't win. But I'm not going to waste two hours of my life watching a game where at the end of the game I'm madder than I was when I started the game. Can I get an amen for many? We go, well, man, you got to be an athlete. Listen, I am not an athlete. Did I express already? I'm old. There is very little chance that Mark Cuban is going to call me and wonder if I can sub in. Y'all understand? I don't need to watch game film. Here's what I need to do I'm going to watch, and, and I got it recorded. If they win, oh, I'm going to watch it. It's going to be a great night. We're going to fast forward through the commercials and have a good time. It, if we didn't win, I'm going to delete it, put some space on the DVR. We're going to be fine. Now, why am I sharing this with you? I want you to see the arc of scripture. I want you to focus on Jesus because I got news for you. I'm a, if you're not ameners naturally, you've got to help me out with this. I'm going to need a few of these. When I make this statement, I'm going to need an amen. I want you to see the arc of Scripture, and I want you to see Jesus in focus, because here's the truth. In the end, we win. We, let me try it on the other side of the room, see if you guys are more awake over here. Ready? In the end, we win. Thank you. I mean, this is fantastic. If we get the full scope, the picture of who Jesus is, 
from the very beginning. And we don't just see him as a character in the New Testament. We don't just see him as an icon of Western culture. But we see him in the arc of human history, in the arc of all creation. And we see where he is, and we see what the promise was, and we see the promise that was kept, and we see where it's going. Then great googly moogly, when we go through the fire, when we can't get a job, when when the economics of this world are out just insane. When, when, when culture seems to be falling apart, when all of that takes place, we know that we can still stay in this because Jesus has already. And so my hope is that as we take a brief journey through this arc of humanity, that we would begin to see if we are followers of Christ. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ, God bless you. I thank you for being here. I think you're in a great spot. I would challenge you to really consider this. If you don't know where you stand, I would challenge you to step up and step out so that you can get firm in this because there's never going to be a better place to really grow and change the trajectory of your life than at a school like this in the years that you're spending. But if you are a follower of Christ, that was a good amen. Don't be, cover your mouth like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, that was you? Okay, good. She was embarrassed for you. There you go. It's okay. It's okay. Here we go. I want you to know that if you're a follower of Christ and Jesus is your Lord, that whatever, everybody say whatever. One more time, everybody say whatever. And whatever you go through, whatever you endure, you have already won because Jesus Christ has won. And so I know we prayed, and I know we've sung, and we've done all this, but I want to do something different. I'm not asking you to pray. I want you to give me 30, maybe 60 seconds. I want to pray over. I want to pray that God would speak. I want to pray that you would hear from the Holy Spirit in a way and in a voice that maybe doesn't even come from this microphone or this pulpit, but that you would hear God of the Let me pray. Father, I thank you and I pray in the name of Jesus you would use this moment. Let the lies of this world begin to fade and the truth of your very word rise. May your spirit blow through here in a fresh God, may we never be the same, not because of not because of that, because we act but so ask pray it. Wonderful name of Christ. All God's said. Okay, the reason I want to talk to you about this theme today, about being the story, is uh, kind of, uh, well, it, it's you me centered. I don't know if you know this, but way back in the day, a guy named Aristotle, he brought up a model of the universe, and it was a geocentric model in which the earth was the center of everything, and the sun rose. We, all, we still say it. The sun rises and the sun sets. I don't know if you know this. The sun doesn't move. Anybody, anybody taking that basic class yet? We all okay? We say sunrise and sunset, but the sun doesn't do any of that. We're the ones moving. Aristotle in the Greek age got us thinking that way because everything was geocentric and, and everything spun around us. Well, we found out later with Copernicus that it's actually heliocentric. That the sun is at the center and every planet rotates around that. But here's what we found out later that actually our sun is in a rotation around the center of the Milky Way. And we don't even know what's at the center of that. We just know we see the arc of that. And mind boggling, the Milky Way is in rotation around something even larger than that. That we are all in these concentric circles. Can you believe that back in the day we believed that everything spun around us? Do I need to preach anymore? Are we all on the same page so far? See, we get up every day. I don't know about you, but I get up every day and my main battle is this. How do I not make this an Andy-centric day? Everything's about me. Everything circles around me. That's about my needs and my wants. 
when the world is so much bigger and it's so much grander and it's got so much more purpose. And if he's on the count of three, I want you to say that wonderful name. The name is ready? One, two, three. And if Jesus is at the center and we all or we all organized around him, this changes everything. So your theme verse for this semester, you're going to see it on the screen up here, is uh, the verse from Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says, for by him, look at just the prepositions. i got three prepositions I want you to hear. For by him, everybody say by him. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. Everybody say through him. And for him, everybody say for him. By him, through him, for him. You see, there it was. He was before the beginning. You have to understand that Jesus didn't make his appearance in Luke chapter 2 when the angels came and told the shepherds, right? That's a great story. We love Christmas. But that isn't where Jesus came into being. Jesus was there in the beginning. John chapter 1 said what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Before there was anything, that all of creation, everything that is, the sun, the moon, the planets, the trees that grow, the air that we breathe, everything that we experience, everything that we experience, was made by Him, for Him, and through Him. He was there in the beginning. Before anything was, He was. And if you think you understand that, you're wrong, because your mind's too small. None of us get it. We just need to say, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. He was in the beginning. And, and part of what we have to understand is that He was before the beginning. And you say, how was there before a beginning? Here, here's something that will blow your mind. Are you ready for this? Time was made by God. You say, what was there before this? There wasn't even a before this before this. God made everything. Let, let, let me explain to you in these terms. How many of you have ever worried that the song Amazing Grace is true? Not you? I have. When we've been there 10,000 years. I've been in some good worship services. I don't need a 10,000 year worship service. Anybody with me on that? Come on, let's just get a little honest. Right? The best church service you've ever been to, weak, maybe tops is all I could stand. 10,000 years. Here's my thought. When I was a kid singing that song, I'm going to get kicked out of heaven. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to get kicked out. I can't make it 10,000 years. I'm going to goof off. I'm going to start talking to my neighbor. Me and three guys are going to get kicked out of heaven because I can't do it. Here's the problem. We see everything in the construct of time. We see everything as though this TikTok will exist forever. But C.S. Lewis says this, imagine the most perfect moment, that perfect moment, not, not everything, but just that moment, that first time you Yes, right? That first time you got an A on a paper, the first time, which are equal in my eyes, right? The, 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 the first time you had that just that wonderful moment when everything was perfect. C.S. Lewis says heaven, being in God's presence, is living in that eternal now. It's not about 10,000 years. It's about understanding that God is beyond time, that God is beyond creation, that Jesus, everybody say Jesus. That Jesus was there before everything. And everything that we experience, even though we try and put him in this box, he's not there because he made all of that. Here's the second thing I want you to It is from uh, Genesis 3.15. We're still in the beginning. He was in the garden. You say, no, no, he showed up in the New Testament. That's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Nope, nope, you got that wrong. The New Testament isn't when Jesus showed up. The New Testament is when the promise of Jesus was fulfilled. Let me show you the promise. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God is talking to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And I don't know if you see it there, but that's a picture of Jesus. That's Jesus. There he is. Everybody say, there he is. Nice and loud. Everybody say, there he is. 
That, that's him right there. If you don't know the story, here's how this went down. God made Adam, put him in the garden, said, I made it all for you. It's just for you. I love you. And then he let him loose for a couple days. And he realized, hmm, that ain't good. And he had to make him a woman because he knew he was incomplete. So he put him to sleep, pulled a rib out. and, and put. And, and, by the way, do we know how this works? That God made Adam out of dirt, right? <laughs> that explains a lot, ladies, right? It made Adam out of dirt, but, but he made you out of our spare parts. So don't get cocky about this, right? And, and so so we, we got Adam made out of the dirt, and you got the woman made out of the rib, and, and then he puts them out, and he goes, just enjoy this all for you. When you feel the breeze on your face, that's me whispering your name. When you see a star twinkle in the sky, that's me looking down on you. Everything in creation was made for you. It's all for you. Just stay away from one tree. Just stay away from one tree. Just show me that you love me by being obedient to this one thing. What do we do? Our ancestors went and ate from that tree. Because the serpent slid up to Eve and started seducing her with some wonderful syllables of No, we can't do that. God says stay away from that. Oh, he didn't say that. Yeah, he said we die. Oh, no. He's He said that if you from that, you'll come. That sounds like Gollum. Sorry. I don't and so Eve took and she bit, and we always blame Eve, but you know what? It says she turned and handed some to Adam, which means Adam was standing there going, I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? So Adam and Eve both ate from the tree. They broke open hell. They broke open sin. They broke open pain. With all of that, everything that God had kept away from them, the absence of love, the presence of pain, every cancer, every bully, every hate, everything that you've ever experienced that was wrong, that's when it came into existence. And God should have hit control, alt, delete, and rebooted the system, but He didn't. Instead, He came up with a plan. And He set Adam and Eve down along with the serpent. He told Adam, you really jacked this up. You understand? Here's what's going to happen for the rest of your life. You're going to hate your work, but you're going to work all the time. And when you work, it's not going to produce for you. You're going to farm and farm and farm, and you're going to hate it, but you can't not not do it. How many of you know men who hate their job but just keep going back to it again and again and again? That's a part of the curse. And then he looks at the woman. He goes, and you want to know what your curse is? You're going to love that dipwad. That's what the, your curse is. You're going to be attacked. You, you, you're going to want him, and he's that moron. You understand that? And you're going to have babies, and it's going to hurt. Boom. You realize there was a day you could have babies and it didn't hurt? Well, now it hurts, and that's part of the fall. And so you're going to have babies and this girl, and then he comes up to the serpent, and this is what he says. And you, you trickster and you deceiver, you know what's going to happen to you? I'm going to take your arms and your legs so you have to crawl in the dust, and everyone's going to hate you. I'm going to put enmity between humanity and you. And one day, everybody say one day. <laughs> this is so good, really. And one day, between your offspring and her offspring, one he shall bruise your head and you shall one day out of these two cursed humans, one day out of these two now mortals, one day out of these two sinners will come one of their own line who's actually from me. And when you strike his heel at the cross, he will crush your head at the tomb and he will set everything right. And Jesus was right there, the promise of Genesis 3. There he is. But he wasn't just there. It goes on. It says what? In the Isaiah 53, 5, he was with us in the prophets, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
and with his wounds we are healed. I know you look at that and you go, that, that's Jesus, right? Yes, but you need to understand that was written 700 years before the New Testament. Almost a millennium before Him. The prophets, they knew. There's a, there's a great bit of, uh, of statistical information that you need to understand. If one person, everybody say one person, if one person were, were to fulfill eight of the prophecies about Jesus, one person were to fulfill eight of the prophecies about Jesus, the statistical probability of that is one in ten to the 17th power. That's a ten with 17 more zeros after that. That's a big number, right? That's a big number. But since most of us don't think in, in mathematical terms, let me give you an anecdotal illustration of this. According to one statistician, 1 out of 10 to the 17th power is the same as taking silver dollars and covering the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Covering the entire state of Texas two feet deep, taking one silver dollar in the entire state of Texas and mixing it up somewhere in there, anywhere from two feet to, to ground level in the entire distance of the United States, and then you, blindfolded, walking around Texas for about a week, just reach down and pick up a coin. The probability of one human fulfilling eight of those prophecies is that statistical probability. But there weren't just eight. There were 48 messianic prophecies. Can I get a wow from anybody in the room? There were 48, not just 8, but 40. And beyond that, there were 346 additional prophecies about the Christ who was to come. And guess what? Jesus got, he did pretty good. You want to know how many he got? All of them! Oh! Try to, thank, wait, wait, I'll come back over here. Back over here. Let's try to get ready. Here we go. All of them! Now that's the response right there. Y'all seeing it? That all, if only eight had that statistical probability, what about 48? What about The only reason that that took place is it was directed by the divine hand of God who made a promise in the garden and all the prophets were reminding us that He is one. Not just the prophets. Maybe you're not impressed with that. Let's try this one. He was also in the psalm. I want you to look at this line. This is Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken? Does that sound like a familiar verse to anybody else? Where have you heard that? Where else? Jesus, very good. Why does everybody give the right answer and cover their mouth? Stop doing that. That's awesome. It is Jesus from the cross. And I've heard people say, oh, that's when God turned his back on Jesus. What? If God turned his back on Jesus, then we don't stand a chance. If God doesn't love us even when we're broken, for God loved you while you were still sinners. So what was Jesus doing? Matter of fact, let me help you out. If you remember in the New Testament, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from the cross? He didn't just say that. He said it in another language. It's the only thing from the cross He said in Aramaic. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now why did Jesus say that from the cross? Because in the synagogue, they still read the Psalms in Aramaic. He wasn't making a statement. He was quoting Psalm 22. From the cross, he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And just like you and I, I started singing Amazing Grace earlier, or I started quoting Amazing Grace earlier, and y'all started finishing it. It was the same thing. They would go, my God, my God, wait, that, that's, that's Psalm 22. We know that one. And why would he want to point that out? Literally almost a thousand years before the, I would say almost a thousand years, everybody say it. 
Almost a thousand years before the gospel, Psalm 22 was penned. And it began with these words, My God, my God, why are you so far from... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Let me just read you a few more verses out of this same psalm. Verse 6, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. All who see me mock me and make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let Him deliver Him. Let Him rescue Him. For he delights in him. Y'all remember the cross? Wait, that doesn't cut you. Let's try this again. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you as I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. Andy, you're stretching. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. A thousand years before the cross. Let me read that verse again. For they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing. Jesus was there before anything was. Jesus was there in the garden. Jesus was there with the prophets. Jesus was there in the Psalms. Where else do we see Him? Jesus was in the Gospels. I love this. In John chapter 1, verse 29, the weirdo, right? John, wearing locust hair, eating wild honey, living in the desert, baptizing people. He had the strangest ministry on the planet, right? They come out and try and shut him down, and he shuts them down. And then Jesus comes at him through the crowd, and he sees what nobody else can see. How, how could John see what nobody else could see? Well, of course he could see what nobody else could see. Of course he could. He's the guy who, in from the womb, left. When he sensed Jesus was there. When, when Mary showed up with Jesus in utero, it says that Elizabeth went, Poo! her little boy was like, that's him! That's him! He identified that good to anybody else. I think that's amazing. But what does he say here? The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Okay, you're not excited enough about that. You see, they have been trusting that God's promise from the garden was real. They've been trusting for the last several millennia that the, the prophets were right and that the Psalms were right. But now, he says, look, we've been sacrificing animals as a stopgap. We've been offering sacrifices to God so that we might have mercy from Him. But, but the truth is, we're not going to have to do that anymore. Behold, the final sacrifice. Behold, the Lamb of God. And when His blood is spilt, no more will we have to go through this rigmarole. No more will we be bound by the law. No more will we be stuck in death. Behold, the Lamb of God. Your impure thoughts? Doubt? Whatever your Literally. But also not there. He's in the church. First Corinthians twelve twenty seven. Jesus 
through the Gospels lives. He dies. He's buried. He's resurrected. He ascends to heaven. He's no longer with us, but he is. Why? It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Let me just share with you that this is so powerful. And the reason it's powerful is because read the rest of 1 Corinthians. Here's what you know. Not only are we the body of Christ, but he is still the head. He is dead. What does that mean? If he is the head, then that means that we still have hope and direction. He's not gone. He is still with us. He controls. I, I remember I was a pastor in Texas when I was going to seminary, and people get this all mixed up. We were doing deacon ordination, and and I'm not, you know, this on deacons or anything, but sometimes if they're not trained well, they get more trouble than they are help, if I could be really honest with you. And, and so we had this guy, and he was on the ordination council, and he goes, he was asked the theological question, who's the head of the church? Because well, a lot of people think it's the pastor, but no, that's not right. Yep, it's the deacon. Oh, oh we're going to fire you. Good hire. It is not. It is not the deacons. It is not the pastor. The head of the church is Jesus. The head of the church is Jesus. If the head of your church is a pastor, get out! If the head of your church is some deaconess, get out! If the head of your church is some denominational affiliate, get out! If it's not Jesus, it's not the church. It's just a religious institution. Can I get an amen from anybody? Let me tell you how important it is to be connected to the head. We're all members of the body and part of it, but connected to the head. My wife and I, we were driving across the Continental Divide. Anybody taking I-70 up over the Continental Divide? You all know what I'm talking about? It's beautiful, isn't it? It's gorgeous. But I have a desperate fear of falling off the edge of the road up there. I don't know if you've ever been up there, but like at some point, they ran out of funding and stopped doing guardrails. Just stupid. You, you, some of you now know what I'm talking about. And they put these little alpine twigs. That's what they put. They're just this, like little alpine twigs that, that couldn't stop a bicycle. You all know what I'm talking about? I think the only reason they're there is so that if you hit one, it goes, oh, we're going to die. That's what that is. You hear the snap, snap equals death. Yes, we're going over. And I remember we were going through this Connell divide, and we had two little boys in the back, and my wife's looking around, and she goes, this is, oh, it's so beautiful, it's so beautiful. And my wife kept saying, look at that. And I, and I remember slowing down and going, if I look at what you want me to look at, we're going to die. Because I have a tendency, if I look this way, car goes that way. If I look this way, car goes that way. I can try and drive, I can maybe get a couple of feet. But at speed, I better keep my eyes forward. Can I get an amen in that? And unless Jesus is the head, looking in the direction Jesus wants us to go, and the, and the places that Jesus wants us to be, then we're not truly the church. But I have for you, if we are the church, if we do have Him as the head, then we are still headed to the right church. And even if the economy is terrible, and even if your guy's not the guy in the White House, and even if you don't like what's happening culturally, it doesn't matter, because Jesus is still taking us in the right direction. And we are the church, and He is the head. Revelation. I'm going to need an amen from you voluntarily if I read that one more time. I know it's not voluntary if I ask for it, but I'm saying like I didn't go again. And he will be. And behold. By the way, if you have one of those nice Bibles where words are read, behold, and of Revelation, I am coming. Behold, I am. Blessed is the one prophet. You need to know that in the book of Revelation, depicted as standing before the throne of God as a slaughtered. He is the lamb that was slaughtered and he is bleeding. But there is something about him with his horns and his crown that even though he appears as a slaughtered lamb, he is victorious. 
and he looks at us from 2,000 years ago through the corridors of time, and he says, the, the, the same God who put this world together, the same God who promised, the same God who kept it and prophesied and worshipped through the Psalms, the same God who showed up in the Gospels, the same God who is here with you in the church age, that same God who went and ascended into the right hand of God the Father right now, that Jesus, Oh, let me just tell you, I believe in the rapture. I, I mean, I know we got all kinds of, well, are you pre-trib, are you mid-trib, are you post-trib? Go all the way, get out of here before that, or do we only go halfway through it? Because I, I have no idea. We have all these different theologies. Let me tell you what I am. I am a pan-trib, because I believe all now God wants to. The reason we have some arguments about this is because it's not completely clear in Scripture. Here's, here's what is clear. Love that. Let me try this over here right now. Here you go. We believe this so much at our house. When the boys were little, we used to have rapture practice in the backyard. We'd all go out and jump in on the trampoline, man. We just jump up and down like, "Take me, Jesus!" Here we go. If you don't know what the rapture is, there is a time and a place in Scripture which it says in First Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen and following that we are not to uh, be uh, grieving like the rest of the world who has no hope. We are to encourage one another all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And that one day we know the last trump shall resound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And the rest of us who are gathered here will be gathered together to meet the Lord in the air. That there really is a time, there really is a time in which... The, it, you realize if you go out in the country, all the, the graves are pointing in the same direction. You have to go. You have to go out in the country now because in the cities they don't do this. If you go out in the country, all those old country cemeteries, everybody is buried with their head to the east or their head to the west. You want to know why? Because it says that the the, the the sky will be rolled back, the trump will resound, and he will appear in the eastern sky. And we used to bury everybody with the expectation that when the dead rose first, they wanted to sit straight up and be looking right at Jesus. I love that. I love you go out in the country, and they're all facing the same direction because they're ready for the resurrection, right? And, and I believe that it's going to happen. I just hope that I'm preaching to a bunch of people who don't want to hear me preaching when it happens, so that in the middle of a message, I just go, poop, like that. Everybody gets saved right then. You know what I'm talking about? Hey. The heat coming back. Back. Remember I said control all I said that coming. Heaven. Take all of those with in that live in I don't know what you're fearing. I don't know what you're hurting over. I don't know what difficult, but I want to give you one second. My job is I want to stretch a hand. I'd stretch both hands out over you, but it doesn't work. Stretch one hand out over you. I want to pray that you have a job. 
first thing is salvation of Christ. Never done that. So wherever you're at, Father, we thank you. Great. Know that we give us On that God where we God bless you guys. Have a great week. Great to be with you.